Welcome everybody to the Unreasonable Art of Living podcast. I'm your host Gerhard Molin and as always, enjoy the music. Welcome back to another episode of the Unreasonable Art of Living podcast. Thank you for tuning in and I hope you're doing fine wherever you are right now. And yeah, today's episode is going to be very, yeah, second log, um, kind of like report how it's going in the Lumi early access phase. But for the first time listeners, welcome, first of all, thank you for tuning in. What is this podcast about? It's really, it's a very... Hmm, there's not really a, a structure, a format. There's many formats and it's very organic as is life. And it's basically almost like a diary or journal, a reflection of my life. Sometimes there are, I have guests, amazing guests, they where they share about their lives, their journey. As of recent, I started a flow series in this podcast where I share how to unlock flow on command to really, yeah, Unlock your potential and really maximize your productivity and your well-being as yeah, certified high flow coach. Then we're working also on an app called Lumi. It's a personal development app. And we launched the Lumi, yeah, the early access first uh, February 1st, and it has been really exciting. Today is gonna be the second log where I can like share how it's going, uh, my reflections, and um, yeah, it's gonna be a really cool episode. Um and if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe to follow on your Spotify, your Apple podcast. Um, I would appreciate if you can give it a five-star rating if you, if you really like it. This will help the algorithms on the platform to spread the podcast beyond yeah, my social reach. But most importantly, always you know, makes me so happy when people actually reach out and start a conversation or uh, give me feedback. I think that's the most, I think for me, I get the most, yeah, welly out of it when actually I see that I record something and people reach out and spark a conversation. And you can do this actually if you go to howtounreasonable.com. There you can click on an episode, you can leave a comment there, you can write me an email at gerhard at lumi.io, written L-U-M-I-I.io, or you can send me a private message on Instagram at avocadohuman. I will share all the, yeah, how you can contact me in the show notes. But today's topic, yeah, Lumi Early Access, log number two. I call it failing, learning, and optimism. And it has been, you know, why? It's so funny, like today in the morning I woke up. And so during the week I kind of like have this open brainstorm, get inspirations, what I want to talk about this week. And in the morning it just came out of nowhere, it's like, yeah, oh, I want to really talk about the process of starting the journey of a startup a product and the uh, relationship with failing, optimism, fear, and anxiety, and all of that. And it's so funny. So, wake up, <coughs> sorry, I woke up, or maybe I take a sip of tea now. I woke up in the morning, I was like, oh, yeah, I really want to talk about this. And then one synchronicity after another by the universe appeared because I'm reading this 
daily meditations. It's called 366, 366 daily meditations um, by, let me just get the author, Green, Robert Green. And today's meditation was on failure. And then in a, oh, email, maybe turn it off. <laughs> As you can see, this podcast is also very raw. There's no post-editing, so I want to keep it that way. Kind of keep, keeps it authentic. So there was one daily meditation about failure, on the topic of failure. Then I when I did my, did my morning meditation and then I drank my coffee and I opened a random page from the book, The Creative Act of Way of Being, this chapter was also about, yeah, tuning out and like focusing on just the act of creating something you love. And it's like, okay, wow, this is amazing. This is going to be the topic today. Learning, failing and optimism. And so to start with, you know, like, so yeah, Lumi, um, it's an app and behind an app, there's a company, most of most of it. And it's my uh, second startup um, I'm founding. Um, the first startup was 2016 and failed in 2018. And you know, like the comparison, how I'm approaching it this time to the first time are, yeah, it's like day and night. It's much calmer, much more realistic. And there's much more joy involved because like, makes me happy because it it showed me that due to this failure which kind of like triggered a very like yeah dark period of my time very a lot of heaviness doubt and lostness that there are fruits the fruits come to bear now so to say from this failing and learning and take a sip of my tea and i think what many many what i didn't understand the first time when i started a company that actually your odds are against you right from the start the odds that your startup or your company succeeds succeeds uh, are very low and i think at this point we have to make a differentiation so if you're gonna go if you want to try to bootstrap your company without getting investments it's you know there's no easy path either way it's always hard to if, when you bootstrap it it's just like what you get out of it without investment, independence, it's slower, you have much more control. When you go the path of uh, getting external investment, those investors, of course, expect a return on these investments. And they normally, when we talk about, especially venture capital investment, they expect a return on, you know, 100 times. So if they invest 500,000 in your startup, they expect to make it like a successful investment the ballpark numbers are really like they expect, you know, like if I invest 500,000, they would get, they would like to get 50 million out of it by end of the, when, when the startup sells or you go public. These are the ballpark numbers we talk. So when we talk about if the odds are against you, it's that actually, especially when you go for the investment path, it's not that your startup fails, so to say, that you don't have any customers, but the odds are against you that you actually reach this level of return on investment and to be realistic about it and most investors know it they have a portfolio of many startups and it's enough that one or two startups if they have 100 startups there they bet that one only one bet one startup kind of like triggers this return on investment which would outweigh all the lo loss from all the other investments 
that's the game park. That's the numbers number numbers we play actually in this game. It's very very interesting. And what I learned after the first startup crash is actually it's a it's good that you are aware that the odds are against you, and it's actually a good start and state of mind, and a good place to start from, because when you know that your odds are against you that actually from that moment on you can only win. You stay more focused, you stay realistic and yet despite all of that you have to stay optimistic. Despite the, all of the odds, but that's a crazy part, like the one, one part you have like this crazy odds against you, on the other hand you juggle the other ball which is like pure optimism and joy and which makes the journey so so interesting. And just today, again, also like it was recommended in my feed, there was a short clip by Jeff Bezos when he started Amazon. And I want to play this for you because I found it was amazing. Um, Here we go. Well, yeah, it's about, uh, he was on a podcast from Lex Friedman and he talked briefly about the start of Amazon. And yeah, he started in 1994. You know, it was, uh, yeah, it's like you can think of Amazon what you want, but I think you always have to respect People at the early age, early stage, uh, to have an idea and the courage to have complete faith and really go for it. That's for a, for anyone who tries to do this. When anyone who has ever tried to, you know, create a product in itself and bring it to the market, that takes a lot of courage, so much courage. So I have my deepest respect for anyone. And I think um, there's, there's so much involved in getting something from zero to one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole journey. But yeah, I'm going to play this clip for you. A good job in New York and took this leap. Were you excited? Were you scared? So was- excited and scared and anxious. You know, thought the odds of success were low. Uh, told all of our early investors that I thought there was a 30% chance of success, I mean, by which I just been getting your money back, not mm. like not what actually happened. Because that's the truth. Every startup company is unlikely to work. It's helpful to be in reality about that. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't be optimistic. So you kind of have to have this duality in your head. Like you, on the one hand, you're you know what the baseline statistics say about startup companies. And the other hand, you have to ignore all of that and just be 100% sure it's going to work. And you're doing both things at the same time. You're holding that contradiction in your head. But it was so, so exciting. I I love, uh, you know, every from 1994 when uh, the company was founded to 1995 when we opened our doors, all the way until today, it's, I find Amazon so exciting and that doesn't mean it's like full of pain full of problems you know (laughs) it's like there's so many things that need to be resolved and worked and made better and and etc but but on balance it's so fun it's such a privilege it's been such a joy i feel so grateful that i've been part of that journey um yeah just a short clip i found this so spot on for today's episode it's just like you know even jeff bezos so if you don't know him he's like the founder of amazon not ceo anymore i think someone else nowadays but this is what you play with you know when you start and you try to do something 
either you do bootstrap it, so without investment, or you go try to get investments, it's there's like this balance between fear, anxiety, insecurity, and pure optimism. And then, of course, you have these voices in your head that uh, play both roles. And I think it's good that you have fear, anxiety, and, and these insecurities in, in you because those are good teachers. They, if you allow them to exist and not take over you, you find a lot of wisdom in them and they, they, they help you to stay really focused, grounded, and you, that you stay on track and you don't become delusional. So again, like I think if you start from a place where your odds are against, you can only win from there on. And especially when you focus on the joy of working on it. Just the joy and the love of what you're doing. And now I want you to read this one daily meditation, uh, which I found so, so amazing. Let's put some music on. Maybe something calm. Let's see, what do I have? Mm, let's put, try this one. Okay. Two kinds of failure. A quote by Friedrich Nietzsche. A thinker sees his own actions as experiments and questions, as attempts to find out something. Success and failure are for him answers above all. This was a quote by Friedrich Nietzsche and then the meditation continues. There are two kinds of failure. The first comes from never trying out your ideas because you're afraid or because you are waiting for the perfect time. This kind of failure you can never learn from and such timidity will destroy you. The second kind comes from a bold and venturesome spirit. If you fail this way, the hit that you take to your reputation is greatly outweighed, outweighed by what you learn. Repeated failure will toughen your spirit and show you with absolute clarity how things must be done. In fact, this occurs to have everything go right on your first attempt. You will fail to question the element of luck, making you think that you have the golden touch. When you do, eventually fail. It will confuse and demoralize your past the point of learning. In any case, the apprentice, as an entrepreneur, you must act on your ideas as early as possible, exposing them to the public as part of you, even hoping that you will fail. You have everything to gain. Yeah, that's uh, so spot on today. I was like, wow, when I read this, it's like, Wow, thank you, universe, for <laughs> giving me this this quote. Um, and I think this is a when you are in a startup the first time, I can really recommend you to go to get as fast as possible to the market and bring your product, whatever you do, in front of users. Don't try to stay hidden or pro develop as much as long as possible. The earlier you get to the market, the earlier you get to the users and get their feedback, the faster you kind of like start this learning curve, this curve of failing. And for me, failing is not a negative word. Failing is just a way of how it's not, how it's not being done. And for me, failing 
means learning. And there's no, if you are, you can detach from your ego. It's actually beautiful. That's the creative process of everything. Because creativity likes to destroy and creativity likes to create. And if only if you can allow this natural way of destruction and creation, you will eventually get closer to something that has real great value for you and for other people. That's the path to greatness. And I just wanted to give you that we had the um, first kind of like a feedback round after around 10 days with the users. And it was for us amazing. So what's what's beautiful is that actually majority, so we gave them a rating. So how satisfied were you with the Lumi app so far? Uh, scale from one to five. Five was very satisfied. One was very unsatisfied. And at least the majority was at least satisfied. So they gave us a four to five. That was beautiful. And what we also learned, big, big learnings is actually, so in the app, there's like this, the Lumi score method where you can like check in with yourself and, and, and rate areas in your life. And then there were Lumi tools, which is like tools that can be audio guide like with breath works, for example, meditations and so forth. And initially we thought that these tools are going to be like the core of the app. But we learned that actually 80% of all the users, we asked them if you had to remove all the features but keep one, they would keep the Lumi scores. And why is that? Because it's something that's interactive. It's simple. It engages the users with themselves. Whereas the other tools, you find them in many, many other meditation apps. It's guided meditations, audios. They have value. But we thought... That's the beautiful thing about like, getting to the market early. It's like, okay, we thought this is going to be the core, but actually the core was like this method where they can pick up their phone. And, you know, we all have, there's like this thing nowadays. We have this energy that once we pick up the phone and we're on social media or we browse or we read emails. But actually what we're aiming to do right now is like, okay, people pick up their phones anyways. So why not then use this energy and they open Lumi on their phone and this and through Lumi, this energy gets reversed. So instead of spending energy on looking and like kind of wasting your time on social media, you use that energy to engage with yourself. And what we learn is like we want to focus more on this interactive, playful, and joyful methods that help users to engage with themselves. So that's what we learned after 10 days, just by getting it out really quick. And this would have been impossible to foresee just by... Um, working kind of like within us let's just as a team because we would operate on a lot of assumptions so this is what i mean we would in a sense we failed because we thought like this is going to be the core and the whole app was designed around that but failing fast allowed us to kind of like refocus and get a much clearer picture of what we want to make out of lumi and what lumi is actually because at the beginning you have like this inspirations that come to you and it's more like a feeling, like a cloud of ideas and you don't know really what it is, but you create something, you make your best guess to kind of like whatever you, whatever the universe tries to express for you, you kind of like make it tangible. It's, your it's really in the end just an educated guess. Then you have this worst version and you bring it out and you have to like, you deliver it, release it to the market and you see like, is this what the universe wanted to us? And then users start to interact with it. And then the feedback mechanism starts because, wow, they give us feedback. Like, hey, this is a good direction, but we actually would love to have this, this, and this. And through feedback, this triggers it 
within us new ideas. And it's a beautiful process, a beautiful process of creativity. And it's so important that to understand creativity doesn't know ego. Because if you get attached too much to an idea, you get ignorant to this feedback and you kind of like try to attach to something and because it becomes very personal. Because creativity loves destruction. It loves to destroy old wing, old ways to make new to make way for new things. And so why is it important to understand to so A the optimism to, to stay optimistic is like to, to keep the joy, to never lose the joy in what in all of that. And see learning and fail failing as this fundamental drive for learning. And this loop, failing, learning, failing, learning, moving forward until you get to the point where you have really created something absolutely great that you can be so proud of. And it becomes so clear what the value is for you and for other people. So they don't have to barely have to explain it. I think this is what we are aiming for right now. And I like the anal analogy uh, to archery, actually. You know, like, so the first time you kind of like shoot an arrow. And the first time, the target is barely visible. You know, it's, uh, you know, you can see it barely. And the first time, all you want to aim for is that you shoot the arrow far enough as close to the target as possible. Perhaps the first time you even hit the target. But the first time, all you want to do, your first goal is just to shoot in the direction as far as possible and get as close as possible. We aren't even talking about hitting the target the first time. And if you hit the target the first time, wow, that's amazing. And you might, I would say in our, in our case, we hit the target, but it was far away from the bullseye, from the center. It was at the edge. At the moment, we're at the edge. That's the first time. So you go there, you analyze, you, you listen, you observe, and you allow this creative process to happen you really it's all about listening being able to listen and then all the ideas they come forward anyways but you have to make space you have to require your mind and allow whatever comes whatever is waiting deep down come to surface and then you take the arrow again you walk back you've learned okay this time maybe mm, i have to adjust my aim, I have to you kind of like analyze and take all these learnings and you shoot again. And maybe this time you hit the target and you got a bit closer. Or maybe you didn't hit it at all. But you go again, you observe, you learn and take this learning and be open. And eventually, eventually you will shoot the arrow and the arrow hits the the bullseye, bullseye, the center. This is the process of a startup and a product. The first time is just the beginning. And within three weeks now, we've released more than five major updates, which thanks to our users, you know, we, we have reached so much amazing feedback and ideas, improved Lumi a lot and moved in direction which we, was impossible to foresee. And also inspire us, thanks to the feedback, to come up with completely new focus. What is Lumi in the end? What, we, what is our differ differentiator? It was, this process is, is 
I'm love with this process. It's beautiful. This engagement with the users to learn from them, to get their feedback, and which inspires us again. Mm. And this, all of this feedback and where we are right now is completely unseen and unplanned. And next week, so when this episode is going to release, we're going to release a major, major update, which, yeah, we can't wait, which kind of like lays the foundation of Lumi, what it will become. And our goal is, I'm going to share this, our goal is to make personal development as fun and as addictive as a mobile game. That's our goal. You know, if you really, if, if you feel feel like you have to take your phone out and do something, so instead of going social media or browsing, you open Lumi and actually you engage with yourself in the most engaging and joyful way and you learn about something. That's our goal right now. And this goal, this crystallization, wouldn't have had, had wouldn't have had happened if we didn't launch as fast as possible. As soon as we feel ready, okay, we are ready. We are at a stage where we, from there on, with all everything else, just a lot of assumptions. So let's better just move it to the market, even though it's there's going to be a lot of issues. Let's just release it. And we're very excited. So it's going to be, this first early access phase is going to be six weeks until March 14th. Then the second cycle starts. We're going to onboard more users. And yeah, there's like a, we already have like a beautiful table of options. Um, kind of like we call it the options table where we mm, save or store all the ideas, feature ideas, which have been validated with our users actually in our WhatsApp community. We, we think they're really amazing and we keep them on this options table. And then every six weeks, we're going to look at this options table and see like, okay, which are the features we want to, we have a big appetite for. We really think, oh, we want to work. We want to have this on our own. And then we're going to vote for the user as well, which is their appetite. And then we're going to decide which feature comes to the, in the next six-week cycle we're going to work on. So, yeah, a little update on um, the Lumi Early Access. It has been absolutely great so far. You know, there's, when I say learn, failing, I really don't see it as a negative thing. And, and I don't mean it. And I think it's, a, it's almost a, a dogma in our today's society to talk about failure. But for me, it's just pure learning. It's an absolute must in a creative process to fail. Because creativity knows... Yeah, creativity means being able to destroy ideas. So we can give birth to and make room for new ideas. Destruction and creation, destruction and creation. That's creativity. In all of that, you should never ever lose your optimism. You know, of course, you odds are against you, and there will be times where the anxiety or the insecurity or the doubt will overtake, but in the end, you always have to come back back to your center and focus on what you can really focus on. That's focusing on creating something great with other people, where you find joy, where we all find joy, where we find creativity and where we really love what we're doing. And it is, I'm going to read with you, for you, <laughs> to okay, as an outro for today's episode, a chapter, which I also like open today randomly, The Creative Act, The Way of Being. 
And it's so fitting. It's like, it was a bit eerie. And the chapter is called Tuning Out, Undermining Voices. I'm going to put music again. <clears throat> going to read something. <laughs> Pardon me if I pronounce words incorrectly or they Sometimes <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce them. <laughs> but, you know, you know a twist. You've been a listener for a while now. You know how it's going. If you're the first time listener here, um, you know, this is a raw, raw podcast. There's no editing. I don't aim for perfection. I aim for imperfection and just authenticity. And that's it. Let me take a sip of my tea. Mm. All right, let's go. <coughs> tuning, tuning out. <coughs> In the book, The Creative Act. Great book. I've been recommending it now for <coughs> my throat for a few times. Uh, it's amazing. Okay, let's go. Music. What is it? I think the previous song was really nice. Let's try. Okay. Ooh, there we go. Tuning out. We may take years, even decades, to create our first project. It typically develops in a vacuum, in an ordinary way, in a conversation mostly with ourselves. After we share it, outside influences can emerge. An audience appears, whether it consists of friends or larger groups of strangers. Individuals and companies with business interests can sign on. As we begin to work on our next project, loud outer voices may speak at us from the sidelines, influencing us in different creative directions, demanding to work now without concern for quality. As these voices enter an artist's head, concern for deadlines, deals, sales, media attention, public image, staff, overhead, growing the audience, keeping the existing fan base, they can undermine our focus. The intention of our art can shift from self-expression to self-sustainment. From creative choices to business decisions, the key to navigating this phase of an artistic journey is learning to tune out, to prevent external pressures from entering our inner process and interfering with the pure creative state. It helps to recall the clear mindset that produced the first work and allowed success to happen originally. Set aside not just business concerns, but the needs and faults of these outside voices. Keep them out of your consciousness while in pursuit of your best work. When you're able to focus purely on creativity and work in a sacred space, everyone benefits and all other priorities are served. <clears throat> it continues. At any stage in a career, the critic in your head may make its voice heard. Repeating that you're not talented enough, your idea isn't good enough, art isn't a worthwhile investment of your time, the result won't be well received, you are a failure. Or there may be there may be contrary voice that tells you that everything you do is perfect and you'll be the greatest phenomenon the world has ever seen. More often than not, these are outer voices that were absorbed early in life, perhaps a critical or dotting parent, teacher or mentor. These voices are not our own. We have internalized someone else's judgment. 
so it can be met with the same indifference as other random chatter. Any pressure you feel around the work, from the inside or outside, is a signal for self-examination. The artist's goal is to keep himself pure and unattached, to avoid letting stress, responsibility, fear and dependence on a particular outcome distract. And if it does, it's never too late to reset. The first step of clearing <coughs> is acknowledgement. Notice yourself feeling the weight of self-criticism or the pressure to li live up to expectations. And remember that commercial success is completely out of your control. All that matters is that you're making something you love to the best of your ability here and now. Working to free yourself from inner voices is a kind of meditation. Set aside all concerns for a stretch of time and say, I'm only going to focus on this one practice, making great work. If any distractions come along, yes, if any distractions come along <laughs> during that period, don't ignore them or focus on them. Don't give them any energy at all. Let them pass like clouds parting around the mountain. Regularly engaging in this practice builds the muscle of focused intention, which you can use in everything you do. Eventually, tuning out the undermining voices and losing yourself in the work will not be an effort of will, but an earned ability. Wow. It's um yeah, tuning it's it's by the way, great book. <laughs> I can't I can't recommend it often enough. And yeah, as an outro and coming to an end to this episode. So the early access has been really a, a blessing and a gift. And we're so grateful for it's a very small round and it was intentional to first get an idea how far are we off to learn very quickly what is our focus point and based on that make the next plan the next decisions not too much ahead really one thing at a time we don't have any roadmaps that think about 12 months ahead we don't have any anything that goes beyond even like a month what we do have yeah we i mean like we we have okay we have this product with our early access users which are amazing and It's really about the practice. It's almost a meditation to stay focused in the present moment, to listen, to observe, to allow to come forward what needs to come forward and to allow to give permission to destroy ideas, to refocus, reshape, and really allow it to almost become a thing of its own, an organism. And you just dare to kind of like guide it. That's what we do. We listen and we guide it. That's product. our philosophy in product development. I mean, it's yeah, maybe very, very philosophical. Philosophical. Philosoph <laughs> philosophical. <laughs> but I think um, in the end, that's how we like to do it. And there's no right or wrong way, just the way that feels right to you. And this said, thank you for tuning in. 
If you like this episode, make sure that you follow the podcast. You always get a notification when a new episode drops. Um, an Apple Podcast, Spotify, and if you enjoyed this episode, um, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, if you can give it a five star rating on Apple Podcast, Spotify, your platform of choice, it really helps to spread this podcast. But most importantly, thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking your time to tune in. Have a wonderful, wonderful day wherever you are right now.